everybody, welcome back to the QBIQ podcast for another episode. Today we've got Danny O'Brien, current quarterback for the BC Lions in the CFL. Guy's been all over Canada with several different teams, ton of experience up north in 12-on-12 football. But, of course, he started here in the States and originally started at the University of Maryland before transferring. Ton of knowledge, ton of experience. This guy has, has had a lot of different coaches, um, a lot of different opinions and ideas about the game of football. And a really cool thing that he's done since high school is he's kept every playbook that he's had on every team that he's been on. So when this guy becomes a coach, watch out because he has got all the information available out there. He's learned from a, a lot of different coaches, a lot of great coaches, as you'll hear him tell his story. Guys, I just want to say again, appreciate all the support, all the listeners that are following the podcast. Stay up on our social on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at QBIQ System. And for the full system and all the products, the game grades, the game prep steps, pro throw everything else that's got qbiq on it just head to qbiqsystem.com and it is should be in the link on all of our social channels and uh in the show notes as well um with a link to all of our social platforms so guys appreciate it uh please rate and review five stars five stars five stars rate and review is huge for us thank you again for the support and here's our episode with QBIQ and Danny O'Brien. What's up, everybody? We're back with another episode of the QBIQ podcast. Great guest today, the Danny O'Brien. What's up, dude? <laughs> oh, not much, man. How are you doing today? That is great. It is great. It is always a great day when we get to talk some football. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Danny, so let's try to bring your journey and your story into a nice summary for everyone, because I know there's a lot there. Um, can, can you kind of sum up what, what your journey has been like and some of the stops that you've made? Yeah, shoot, man. Yeah, kind of, like you said, got a little bit of a winding path, uh, fortunate enough to still be playing. But, uh, yeah, long story short, I played my high school football uh, at East Forsyth High School in, in Kernersville, North Carolina. Uh, from there, I went to the University of Maryland, uh, came out of the class of 2009. Shoot, I'm getting getting old. But then uh, <laughs> played three played three years there, uh, graduated. Um, and after a coaching change and the year after that, ended up actually going to the University of Wisconsin for a year. Uh, another coaching change there when Bielema left, and I ended up playing Division II ball back in North Carolina at a small school in Salisbury called Catawba College. Uh, then I had a quick cup of coffee with uh, the Falcons before heading up to the CFL, where I spent three years in Ottawa, two years in Edmonton, and now I'm in my first year. Uh, we're winding down here. Uh, in British Columbia with the BC Lions, which is where I am right now in Vancouver. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, I love Vancouver. Oh, How great of a city is that? Honestly, it might be. I was just telling my buddy this. It might be my favorite city that I've spent a significant amount of time in, and I don't even really know if it's that close, man. BC, Vancouver in general is probably the most beautiful part of the world that I've been in. Oh, for sure. Now, now I haven't spent a winter up there, which I, I could assume could get pretty brutal, but – 
it is a beautiful, beautiful place and one of the most diverse places I've ever been. Oh, 100%. And to be fair, I haven't spent a winter up here either. We get done in November and I'm gone back to back to Wilmington, North Carolina. So I couldn't tell you either. But if you're going to be anywhere in Canada in the winter, uh, the West Coast is definitely the place to be. It's a little more rainy than uh, than snow everywhere else. No doubt. Yeah. So, man, I, I guess it's safe to say that you've seen quite a bit of football uh, throughout all those stops and, and from college to professional and and um, the different locations, different teammates, different coaches. What's it like as a quarterback specifically, um, you know, to to have a lot of different voices talking to you? And I mean that like from a coach's perspective, has that helped you or hurt you in any way over the years? I think, yeah, it's a, that's a great question. I think it's all, it's all how you look at it. I think obviously at the quarterback spot, the more continuity you can have with a staff um, year in, year out, the better you're going to be, the slower the game's going to be because there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. So I think in some ways as a player, it makes it tougher. But at the same time, um, I've always had a little different perspective on it in terms of when I get done playing, I've known since I was a senior in high school that I wanted to coach. Um, and I've tried to treat it as a silver lining in terms of really getting such a rare opportunity to be around so many offensive minds and to be able to look at the game from a lot of different perspectives. Um, just in terms of I've kept every playbook I've had since high school. So when that day does come, you know, there's a lot of good stuff and different ways to look at attacking the same defenses and how they ID things that I think one day will be of great benefit to me. But um, it's definitely been a journey, um, and, and I've learned a lot from each person a little differently. But like I said, I think in the end, uh, there's a lot of value I've pulled from my, all these OCs I've had. Yeah, you, you might be – you might have like the, the holy grail of football with all of those playbooks <laughs> that you've kept over the years. I'm, well, I mean, when you're a coach, man, watch out. <laughs> well, hey, I got to get some people around me to put it all together. But, man, I will tell you that uh, between transferring twice and then, you know, playing six years up here, I mean, that that volume uh, back home is, is growing pretty quickly. I know that much. No doubt. And so, okay, so Maryland to Wisconsin, so ACC to Big Ten, right? Yep. Maryland was ACC back then still, right? Yep, yeah, we were ACC my whole time there. Okay. What was uh, – was there any difference in the ACC to Big Ten in competition? Oh, man. Yes and no. I think obviously up there with the weather and just the types of players you recruit, like Wisconsin, the Iowa's, Michigan, Michigan State's, you're going to get a lot more power, uh, more quote unquote pro style, old school, traditional football. But shoot, I was there in 2012. And by that time there, you still were starting to see, you were already starting to see some of the RPO stuff trickle into the Big Ten, maybe a little more physical and in the box in the Big Ten. But I was kind of right at that bridge like with what urban was doing at ohio state spreading it out a little bit you could see that kind of trickling out but all in all pretty similar maybe a little a little more run heavy in the big 10 obviously so yeah what what would you say uh what would you say that your strong suit what were your strengths then in college versus now in the cfl uh i would say i was looking back on it i didn't even realize it at the time but uh i was really fortunate to be able to play early at Maryland. Uh, and that was in large part due to James Franklin, who's now the head coach at Penn State. He recruited me. Uh, so my first offense that I learned was a West Coast offense, calling two and three plays in the huddle. And once that started to click for me, it really slowed the game down a lot. I was never, um, you know, the five-star kid out of high school. I had a few offers. I think it was a three-star, but been so long. But I wasn't 
my point is I was never the physical specimen can spray it everywhere I want to all over the field. I was good enough and I had enough tools, but I learned through that offense, which was the first one I learned the power of slowing the game down between the ears and was fortunate enough mm -hmm. to have a lot of success early, largely due to that, getting us into good looks uh, and keeping the game simple in that way. So I think that was my first big strength. And I've slowly put together the physical stuff from 18 to now I'm 29. I try to get a little bit better each year with that. And that's kind of caught up, you know, as the years have gone on. Sure. So, so did you have with that, like kind of IQ, right? We're QB IQ. So let's call it IQ. Yeah. With that being a strength of yours early on, did you have a process or have you had a process of how you go about preparing mentally? Yeah, definitely. And, and that's kind of what I mean by being really fortunate to be around uh, coach Franklin and then coach Friedgen who's a, an offensive mastermind as well, they really had a template already for that process. So it was really the only way I knew football outside of high school in terms of here's how you prepare, here's how you watch film. When you break the huddle, here's what we're looking at in the same order every single time. And that really slowed the game down. You go from playing in Kernsville, North Carolina, to Florida State with speed all over the field. That stuff helped negate a lot in my brain, at least, in terms of having the same standard operating procedure, as they called it, as you break the huddle and going through the same checklist every single snap. And I felt like game in and game out, I got more and more comfortable. And that's a large reason why I feel like I had the success I had early at Maryland. Right, right. Well, I mean, I think, uh, let me pull it up here real quick. I mean, ACC Rookie of the Year, right? 2010, ACC Offensive Rookie of the Year, 2010 as well. So it's fair to say that you did have success early on. Can you, can you dive into a little bit it's a little bit more detail of what that standard operating procedure looked like. Like when you break the huddle and you walk up to the line of scrimmage, if you've carried that over to your career now, kind of yeah. what, what is that mentality as you're walking up to the line? Walk us through that. Yeah. So the, I'll never forget the first one because it was my first one. And it's, it's a little different here with it being 12 on 12 in the CFL, but there's some stuff that cares over. But uh, for us football, we broke the huddle. The first thing we did every single play was ID the mic. Um, pass or run it would imply different things based on a play call so if we had a drop back pass i'm id in the mic uh for the o-line to know either if that's who they had base if it was a base protection or if it was a slide pro that's who the running back has so id the mic find the two safeties uh confirm basic stuff like confirm middle open or close based on you know the formation we were in how they adjusted to it and then it went into the reads uh and I, actually, let me rewind one. Then we also ID'd three or four down linemen. So it was ID the mic, three or four down, find your safeties. And then from there, it would just depend on, you know, the specific play. But like I said, kind of having those three things to break the huddle. I have three things to do before I even run a play. Really help compartmentalize it for me and uh, and play a lot faster. And then, like I said, from there, it would just depend on what play we ran. And then now you're off and running. Right, right. And obviously, that all comes with, preparation and watching film and really knowing what you're looking for when you're watching the film. Yeah, definitely. And again, that's being fortunate enough to have two really good coaches who knew what they were doing. Cause I had no clue. You know, we didn't do any of that in high school. It was more drop back, find the open guy. If you completed the ball, it was a good yeah. read. If it was an incomplete, it was a bad read. And it was a lot of trial and error. So, you know, I was just basically a blob of clay and I just kind of followed, you know, the success that they had and shoot, that was easy to buy into because of the guys that they had coached. Um, but yeah, that, that made a world of difference for me.
Yeah, 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 I bet. So just to take a tangent here real quick, you have something, um, you have like your own academy as well, right? You put on some camps. Yeah, I do. Yeah, we do. uh, We call it DOB Elite back home in in North Carolina. And it's really um, outside of just lifting, running and throwing myself. It's really all I do in the off season. Uh, I always kind of told myself if I was ever in a position to give back and kind of pass that knowledge on to kids in high school and some middle school, you know, we always say like, I wonder how much better I would have been if I knew that the guys that, you know, work with me on the staff. And that's kind of our, our mission there is to get that info to these kids at as young of an age as possible to help them slow the game down at that level. So that's really what I do the majority of my off season back in uh, North Carolina. Dude, no doubt. I mean, that's what we talk about. I mean, that's really what QBIQ is. We, we say you spend all these years, right? You've made all these stops and you spend all these years learning as you go and, and taking the scars and the bumps and the bruises as you go. If there's a way, a platform or a series of information or a way to teach uh, to get a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid to learn it so you can minimize those scars and those bumps and bruises, we're all going to be better. I mean, that's, and that's what we do obviously as coaches and, and trainers. And, and that's really where QBIQ pl- makes it, makes a big play with these high school group aged kids um, to really eliminate those trial by fire uh, experiences that, that we all had. Yeah. And that, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I think that's what it's all about is that makes it so much more worthwhile. The bumps and bruises, like you said, that we took, y'all don't have to take those at that age because you can learn basically from our mistakes and the stuff that we've learned through trial and error, pass it on to them. And it's, it's such a great feeling to watch these kids huddle highlights or the full games and to hear back from them. Like, man, the game is so much slower now because of some simple things that we might not have had growing up. And that's to me what it's all about. Right. Right. For sure. Danny, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here real quick. I'm going to ask you a question straight from the QBIQ book. All right. And this is something we talk to all of our guys about. So we talked about brain mechanics. There's a there's a key statistic from the 2016 NFL season where there was like 19 some thousand passes recorded and a little over 14,500 or so were under nine yards. So meaning 76 mm. percent or so of those throws were under nine yards. Right now, there are four reasons to throw deep. Can you name those four reasons? Four reasons to throw deep. Okay. I think it could go a lot of different directions. Would one be four reasons to throw deep? Would would one be just points fast or explosive plays? Yeah. So, yeah, explosive plays or like if you need it or wide receivers wide open. Those are two. If you need it. Okay. Right. Okay. If, the, if the down and distance calls for it. Or if the wide receiver is wide open. Okay. So yeah, yeah, I just want to make sure I understood the frame of the question. So you're saying if you're ahead of the sticks? Yeah, I mean, just four reasons in general. So obviously, if down and distance is a situation, then you need it. So that's one reason to throw deep. If yep. you have a guy that's wide open, that's that's another reason <laughs> to do it. Okay. I would uh, say down late would be one, obviously, like situationally. Yep. Yep. And then I would probably say to soften, I mean, from a – play calling standpoint i don't know if it fits that specifically but from a play calling standpoint to soften up coverages like you know if we come out aggressive with a certain game plan just to soften guys up to set up other stuff that's more high percentage yeah 
Dude, I love it. And that, well, the part of the reason I asked you that is because we all need, as coaches, players, everything is to broaden our perspective. As you said earlier, there's more than one way to skin a cat. So talking about uh, throwing it deep to soften a coverage or to, you know, mix it up on somebody just to keep people honest is an awesome answer. And, and that's what part of what I want to uh, deliver that in this podcast is some of the guys and the kids that listen to this and the coaches that listen to this is that it's not stuck in just the reasons that are listed in the QBIQ book. So there are more options out there, different ways to look at it. Um, we just have listed, like I said, if you need it, wide receivers wide open. The other two were sudden change at midfield, right? Like a turnover. Uh, yep. yep 100%. And then uh, second and short from the minus 40 to plus 40. When you're okay, in that yeah. territory. Yeah, I love that. You know? Yeah, I love that. So if you miss it, it's third and short. You yeah, know, getting ahead the of the sticks. Yep. Down. Yep. So uh, I just had to put you on the spot there for a second. Oh, I like that. Yeah, see, I like that. Just to see where your mind's at and from your experience what uh, what your thought process is because that's the whole point of this is learning, is educating and, and figuring out how you do it. So, man, okay, that makes total sense. I'm going to try that next time. Yeah, I think um, you bring up a good point too that I'm sure all your guys are hearing from you just based on that, which is it's not all about – you're not making your money on – the highlight plays necessarily. I didn't know that stat from the NFL, but it makes sense. If if three out of four balls thrown are under nine yards, you better be really good at throwing intermediately to short on time and accurately and the shots come, which I think is a great lesson for younger kids because all they see is the sports center highlights, the big post over the middle, a go route. Yeah, those plays are nice and they happen within the confines. I love those four situations you put, but if you want to be a consistent starting quarterback, you better be really good at throwing on time intermediately and short. Cause that's like, I, you just showed me, you know, 75% of the game. Right. Right. Yeah, no doubt. That's, that's a great input. So you've had, you said earlier that you've kept the playbooks from all the stops you've been from high school till now. Has you, have you ever put together a process for learning your playbooks as I'm sure they've changed even though like the concept of a play might not change, but the terminology, the formation, all those different things change from stop to stop. So do yep. you have a process to learn that? Oh yeah, for sure. And I've had a lot of practice at it now, but um, the first thing I do, I'm a very visual learner. Um, so if I can't picture the play in my head as I'm calling it, which is essentially what you're doing in a huddle in real action, I don't know it. So the first thing I've always done with every playbook is know the formations cold. So if I can picture where everyone is first, then I can move on to the next step. And until then I don't move on from there. So the first thing would be formations. The second thing is the run game, um, how it all fits, the rules in that. Usually most systems will have a set of rules, um, no matter what offense you run, whether it's under center, pro style, 21 personnel, if you're spreading it out, doing all the RPO stuff and all that, then the run game. The next thing is pass protections. And then the final thing I'll actually learn is the pass, whether it's a number system or a terminology system with just hot words, the pass names for concepts. Um, I know that's the first thing everyone wants to look at is, hey, what are we calling post wheel? What are we calling this and that? But it's actually the last thing that I'll learn uh, because in my opinion, if you don't know where everyone is, what their splits are, the rules for it all, that stuff's kind of irrelevant. So that's kind of the order that I've always taken it. Really boring to sexy in order. No, I, I love that. I think that's such a smart way to do it because 
the boring stuff is really the most important. And uh, you, you talk about pass protection and who's coming and really who's not coming in a blitz and who the ID defenders are and all, you know, all those things. And then, yeah, what we want to call it, shoot, man, we can call it anything. Right. right. So, you know, learning the f- really fundamental foundational part of each offense is, uh, is the first thing to do. And then, man, that's, you phrased it great. What was it again? Oh, in order, I think boring to sexy would be the best boring way to, to put it. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. hundred percent. It just lets you have so much more control. Noticing if a guy's lined up wrong, especially early in a training camp situation, it helps. It lets you be the leader that you are, worth knowing where everyone's supposed to be. But like you said, you can call post wheel or drive or whatever you're calling anything you want to. That's the easy part, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That's that's a great boring distraction, man. I'm gonna take that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, kind of made sense as I was speaking. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, what's so obviously in in uh, CFL it's twelve on twelve, right? Yep. Yeah, it is. Yeah, a little so bit different. Has that changed? What is that? What does that change the most? Does it change protection? Does it change blitz? Does it? What does that change the most? In my opinion, so it's twelve on twelve, and then seven guys still have to be in the line of scrimmage, but the two end guys can move laterally, and then everyone else can have a downhill motion. So the biggest difference, protections are pretty similar. A lot of the blitzes, there's some nuances, but pretty similar. The biggest difference really is coverage. Um, the 12th guy is essentially a third safety. So you can really yeah. have a middle closed look, and then you'll have, if you could picture just an extra guy in the middle, and then a free safety and a strong safety in U.S. terms, then two corners. Those guys can play cloud or hold, as we call it, the inverse of that, like a cover three look or a cover two look or man or quarters without that middle safety even moving. So really, the the pre-snap reads are a little lower of a premium here because you can hide stuff, not to mention the amount of motion you might have going on behind you on offense. So you're really reading a lot more stuff out at the snap and post-snap uh, than you are in U.S. football where you can get a lot more coverage indicators, in my opinion, pre-snap. Um, that's the biggest difference. Everything else is, is pretty similar, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great piece there. Um I, I got to imagine that that's pretty tough to say, man, this looks like this looks like a quarters look, but there's a dude standing right in the middle of the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you get some of these better teams here that have veteran staffs and they do a good job hiding it. So, like I said, you just got to be – you can get some keys from film study and all that like anything, but you got to be a little more clued into at the snap and post-snap up here um, than pre-snap because they can fool you a little bit. Man. Yeah, that that sounds tough. That sounds tough for sure. We have to put a, we'll have to put something together, man. Like a QBIQ Canadian version. There you go. Like, yeah, for twelve on twelve, man. We should we should look into that. Hundred percent. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Uh, so the so the training that you do back uh, back home in the off season, um, is that just quarterbacks? Is that more uh, skill position? Yeah, so it's it's every position now. We do every position uh, except for specialists. Uh, we just don't have a kicking guy. 2014 was my first year, and it was just, shoot, a handful of quarterbacks in a gym. And now uh, we got coaches at every position. Uh, it's on weekends. And then we just added last year was our first year entering the seven-on-seven deal, which we kind of just partnered right up with our academy and do it right after. But, yeah, we do all positions. And, uh, you know, everyone that coaches, you know, played – 
uh, beyond high school, a lot of them college and most of them professionally at some point. And same philosophy that me and you have, which is giving back to these kids at as early of an age as possible to teach them, you know, the right, how to look at it the right way and, you know, maximize how smart these kids work. Yeah. Does that give you, does, does your, your academy and the training and the seven on seven, does that kind of give you um, a preemptive feel or understanding on how to coach once you're done playing? I think so. Um, you know, I've never coached yet fully, so there there will be a learning curve with that in general. But I think what it's helped the most with is just understanding, as I'm sure you're really aware of, everyone learns a little bit differently. And I've really enjoyed figuring out ways to reach every single kid, which might look a little bit different. And I think that that would apply no matter what level I end up coaching at. Um, just in terms of reaching kids, some kids are more visual. You, you say something a little bit differently the next week and all of a sudden it clicks. I've really enjoyed um, trying to get better at communicating to a lot of different people uh, in different ways. And I think that hopefully could translate. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, understanding once, once you understand that people learn in different ways um, and then you can take some action, you know, some action steps to, to figure that out and, and help those guys in different ways, man, that's a game changer. Um, I, I remember just myself of going from a young player to stepping in. And I think my first job, man, was like coaching freshman football at my old high school. Mm -hmm. And, and I was like, dude, I'm like Vince Lombardi out here. <laughs> and, and just nobody listens to anything. Right. And, and, uh, you know, it's almost like, um, you know, I guess there's that ego part of it a little bit for sure. But just thinking like, oh, well, if I just tell them what I was told, then they're going to understand. And, and right. that's not really how it works. So I can't emphasize that enough to your point of everybody learns differently. So as a coach, it's not only your job to teach them football, but to figure out as a human, as a person, how they learn so that you can you can double down on that trait of theirs. Yeah, and it's it's crazy that you say that because I feel like that is just as important as the – I've learned over the last several years that that part, to my surprise, was just as important as what you're actually teaching them. That part's almost only half of the equation because I, I was in the same boat where it's like, well, I'll just – I'm going to tell them this. They're going to absorb it, and they're going to be instantly better, and it's much more of a process than that, is, as you very well know. Yeah, yeah, man, absolutely. So what's – um. We're jumping back and forth here, but that's all good. What's oh, yeah. what's a uh, what's the quarterback room like right now um, in BC for you guys? I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not sure. What did did you guys win this past this past week? Oh, uh, we lost. We lost. Uh, lost. We had a chance to win on the last drive. Yes, yeah, so our quarterback room. Uh, shoot, it's been been a tough year for us this year. Uh, our starting quarterback, uh, Mike Riley. Uh, broke his wrist uh, two weeks ago. So I actually had my first start this past game. We came up a little bit short. And then um, there's a rookie in there, Grant Kramer, who actually just got hurt recently as well. So we're a little bit interesting time. And we're a little bit thin right now. We just brought in uh, a new guy, Brandon Bridge, who's been around the league and had some success uh, to back us up. We have one more game this coming this coming week. But shoot, we have a really tight quarterback room. Uh, I really enjoy you know showing up to work every day here. Uh, a lot of dudes who have you know really high football IQs, and I've learned I've learned a lot from them. That's awesome. Can you can you talk a little bit about um, the environment in a quarterback room as far as 
the level of competition that's needed, but also the level of camaraderie that's needed? Yeah, I think the quarterback room is so much different, especially college and pro level, than, than any other position room in terms of you look at, you know, here in BC, we all have very similar stories, especially making it to the CFL. Usually most guys have a bunch of a windy road to get here. It's not the dude who is the five-star, played at Alabama, drafted in the first round, always been whatever. Everyone has a story in the CFL, which I've loved getting to know people. So you have that in common. But the difference is, as you know, only one guy's playing. So a receiver room, you might have eight guys, and you're rotating six of them. You have two guys on the PR. So everyone's playing and contributing, whereas the quarterback room, there's one guy. Everyone in the room has been the starter basically their whole life until we get here. So you have to balance the competitive edge, which everyone's hyper competitive with both playing your role and being a good teammate. Um, and every quarterback room that I've been in here that I've been in since I've been up here the last six years has been really great in terms of supporting each other because we go through such a different game prep than any other position in terms of what you have to know, what you have to be prepared for that there's really no time for anyone rolling in another direction. Uh, so like I said, this room's been great in that regard. Uh, Mike's been one of the best in the league since he's been up here. I uh, learned a lot from him. I was with him actually backing him up the last two years in Edmonton as well. Um, but it's just such a unique room, the dynamic in terms of everyone wants to be the starter. There can only be one. Everyone's got to be ready and everyone has to be supportive. And I feel like that's unique from any other position in football. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Have you had any have you had any poor experiences in that regard in your journey? I've actually been pretty lucky. Uh in Ottawa, Henry Burris was the starter uh, my rookie year. I had no idea which way was up. Learning this twelve on twelve stuff that I was telling you, it looked like there was twenty five guys out there. So Henry really <laughs> taught me the first the foundational basics of CFL football. And he was great. Um, played till he was 40, 41 years old. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. Um, then coming to Edmonton behind Mike, who's been the guy, um, was very much the same. So the two starters that I've been behind really kind of set the tone for the quarterback room. Um, having been backups in this league themselves, both of whom waited, you know, four or five years to be the guy. So they kind of knew what it was like to be in, you know, my shoes and guys like my shoes. So I've been lucky. Um, but like I said, I feel like it would be a long season if you didn't have a good quarterback room because you're there an hour, two hours before everybody, and you're there two or three hours after everybody. So if you don't, if you can't figure out a way to like each other, it's going to be a long season. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, that's that's awesome to hear, man. That you've had a pretty good, pretty good road of it. Yeah, yeah, and that's like I said, Hank and uh, and Mike have been, you know, the main reason why it's been such a good uh, good experience. So the ultimate goal is to coach at some point. Do you have, do you have in mind, uh, you know, when you're going to be done playing or play as long as you can and then figure it out? What's that look like for you? Yeah, I'm kind of taking it a year at a time. Um, you know, we'll see. This is my contract here this year. Um, hopefully if all goes well, we'll be back here. I'm going to play. I'd play CFL or, you know, I'm probably getting over the hump, but CFL or NFL as long as I could. And then I get into coaching. I'm just kind of kind of let it play out. Um, shoot, man, I'm starting the last game of the season coming up here. So that's kind of all my mind's focused on. I just know that whenever the time comes, that'll be, you know, what I do next. You know, what that looks like, what level it looks like, what country it's in. I feel like all that will take care of itself, you know, whenever it's supposed to. Yeah, that's a that's a great attitude. And 
you got to throw in what country it's in now because, shoot, there's football all over the world. Yeah, absolutely, man, and it's growing. Um, shoot, the CFL started a global initiative here where we got players from France and Mexico on the team, and it's been cool to see, you know, their football journey and how football's growing where they're from. But, yeah, football's, football's everywhere, man. Canadian football's come a long way even in the six years that I've been up here at the college level. So it's definitely uh, broadened my horizons on where I thought, you know, good football was played. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Danny, man, I appreciate you taking some time and, and telling us a little bit about your journey and, and uh, what's going on with you now and some of your goals. And uh, it's awesome stuff. Really appreciate it. Oh, man, thanks for having me on. I love what you guys do. So I definitely, uh, definitely appreciate it. All right, man. We'll talk soon. All right, thank you.